said to yourself oh shit that's fucking nuts what? it was the positive pregnancy test my parents um recently when i became more like this now um my mom said it's it's weird it's like we got our daughter back i would almost say i was part of a cult and i could i could name you know five or six girls i know who were younger than me who um were raised by in this situation and have come out of it who would say the same thing. My my key hang up was I was super pro-life, you know, walks for life, um, praying outside the clinics um, and, and just becoming more and more progressively pro-life to where nothing else mattered when I voted. You couldn't have convinced me to be pro-choice ever until I was suddenly pregnant and didn't want to be. I was self-righteous, judgmental. It, it's kind of like the same thing with healthcare. Like, hey, if you want healthcare, go get a job that gives it to you. This is what I used to say because I was a Republican. You know, you shouldn't have gotten yourself into that situation if you didn't want to be. I mean, it was, it was terrible. Here I was, college degree. I um, didn't need a job because I was supported fully by my ex-husband. I had a roof over my head. I didn't have an abusive partner. I'm not young. I, I have a family to put the baby in. All had everything going for me. And I did not want to have this baby. And I just think like, how, who was I to tell these people in situations that were more difficult than this, what they had to do? Single dad, why you mad? Single dad, why you mad? Single dad, why are you mad? Single dad, why 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 you mad? Uh, welcome everybody to another episode of Single Dad, Why You Mad? And uh, we've been on a streak lately with dads, 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 dads. But we are now going to circle back and speak to a mom. Uh, I'm going to ask uh, our guest to say, to introduce herself and to say and tell people as much as you want. Where you're from, um, how old you are, if you want to do that. Uh, uh, whether or not you are uh, uh, single, right? Anything else you want to tell people? Go. Okay. So, David, did Clark give you the rundown yet, or is this going to surprise? Behind the you? scenes, no. Behind the scenes, but uh, I'm going to act surprised, like when you, <laughs> somebody brings you in for happy birthday and you already know what's going down. Go. Okay. So, uh, my name's Corianne, and I am from Texas originally, and then I went to the Naval Academy in Annapolis, Maryland. So I was a naval officer for five years, uh, met my ex-husband there. Um, he was a submarine officer for 20 years and now he's out. Um, we were married 16 years and we were in um, super, super conservative churches. I'll just leave it at that. And um, to the point where we had seven children together and we were homeschooling. And um, at some point we had a, person live with us to help out um and that turned into an affair and uh then I had my seventh baby in the middle of the affair um that that person we were living in Charleston South Carolina at the time and that person was in upstate New York so um 
they were continuing, um, but I didn't have them leave the house because I was hoping they would work out with us, right? So we lived together, went through that seventh pregnancy, had the baby. Um, and then by the time we were gonna move to Groton, Connecticut for more submarine duty, um, we knew that we were gonna get divorced because they wanted to still be together. So I said, uh, let's just move together because there's no reason we should be in Charleston. I have family in Texas and that's it, you know, he has family in California. Um, so the Navy moved us just as a household up here to Connecticut. And then um, we got divorced. We were all in the same house, him and I still, and she was in upstate New York where her job had her. Um, and I just said, you know, why don't you just take another bedroom and we'll just keep raising the kids um, until we know what's gonna happen after that. Um, they got married about nine months after we got divorced and I was still living in the house with him and the kids. And then um, I got unexpectedly pregnant um, <laughs> in the summer after the divorce and it kind of rocked our world. Um, I thought our life had just totally changed with everything that already happened that I told you about, but then I left my conservative church over this, um, just kind of walked away and tried to figure out who I was, who we wanted to be as a family. Um, and it was the first time I could really put myself in somebody else's shoes that I had spent my whole life judging pretty much, which is single, you know, people getting pregnant when they didn't mean to. Um, so it changed me politically, personally, whole life, just basically in 180. I decided to buy a house with my VA loan because I'm a veteran and um, bought a house. The ex-husband moved with us because he only had nine, uh, nine to 12 months left in the Navy. And I said, no reason to move again and then find a new job and then move again. So he moved with us to our new house. And then she was able to work from home and moved in as well three months later. So the ex-husband and his wife were now in one room and I was in the other. And all eight kids now were there. Um, so they've been around my eighth baby the whole time, even though, you know, she doesn't belong to him. Um, and then, let's see, they, he got a new job and moved about an hour away. The two of them, they have their own apartment, two-bedroom apartment. And um, we continued on in our lives. And then I met a man. Uh, we were together a while. We decided to move in together. I didn't want to sell my house because I love it. Um, so I turned it into a women's recovery home for people with addiction issues. Um, so that's moving along smoothly now. And I'm over here living with the boyfriend and the eight kids. And he had three kids of his own that would come, you know, at random times. And eventually this didn't work out living together. Um, and it led to us needing to move out and then eventually needing to break up. Uh, there are so many different questions to oh. ask. A naval officer, uh, for 16 years, you guys were married. Um, and you said super conservative. When were you, or how old were you when you had your first kid? I was 27 when I had the first and 41 when I had the eighth. 27 when you had the first and 41 when you had the, the last. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, and what are the ages of these kids? Um, 17. Go ahead. 15. 14, 12, 10, 8, 6, 3. <laughs> so between um, 27 and 41, it looks like um, you might have not 
been pregnant for about, I don't know, a year at the most. <laughs> yeah, there was not a lot of time that I wasn't pregnant. I did a lot in that time, though. Um, I started being a runner. I ran a marathon and a couple half marathons. I ran, I ran three miles the day I had the sixth baby, actually, and then went into labor. Um, <laughs> and then I, I learned to play the bagpipes when I was 30 and got sort of addicted and am now like a part-time professional bagpiper. Randomly. Okay. And you said that um, you got pregnant um, with the eighth one, but I just wasn't sure. And you don't have to say if you don't want to, right? I wasn't sure by who. Yeah, um, the eighth one has a baby daddy, literally. Okay. Um, it was, uh, so I had been a virgin when we got married and only been with my ex-husband. And then I was 40, I was single, I was feeling kind of hot. Um, I went out, I partied, I used protection, um, absolutely. It was only one person I was with a couple times and I got pregnant using protection. And um, he's he's in her life and that he gives me support each month. He's not on the birth certificate. We didn't go to court. Um, he felt really badly it had happened. And I just said, look, you're a 33 year old guy and don't need a baby in your life right now. If you want to be a part of her life, you can. If you don't want to, it doesn't matter because she's got a family that she's gonna fit right into. So um, I've taken, it's sort of like an open adoption where like he adopted her out to us almost, you know what I mean? Where she's met him once and doesn't remember it. She'll probably, um, I may take her to see him again in the next few months because we we're just talking about it, but he keeps up with her through pictures and whatnot. But um, a baby was not what he needed in his life right now, so. Okay, and from Texas originally, where at in Texas? Uh, north of Houston, there's a little town called Conroe. My parents still live there. So what was your family makeup like? Like, like who did so you- I just have a brother, um, but each of my parents is one of seven kids. And my mom was from, Newport and Jamestown, Rhode Island up here. So I have a lot of family up here. My dad's from Michigan and he had been a Naval officer. And then my brother went through Texas A&M ROTC and is actually still commander in the Naval Reserve. And he's um, the astronomy teacher at the high school we went to because we're both really big geeks. And he lives five minutes from my parents and has a couple, a couple daughters. And that's, that's it, it's just me and him. But you ultimately came from a, a, a pretty large extended family. Yes, very large extended family where, you know, I had like 17 first cousins on each side who I knew. Like we would get together regularly, even though we lived in Texas. My mom worked for an airline, so we flew free. And um, just huge, huge family events. That family was like everything, you know, it's just. And so would, would you say growing up, that was kind of your ideal? Like you were like, I want to have a family that big? It, it was, um in back of my head, probably because of all the fun stories my parents told, but um, never did I intend to do that myself initially. I wanted to be an astronaut, which is why I went to the Naval Academy. And then, then I became a believer while I was there. And I started being turned towards the idea that women shouldn't serve in the military. Women should just be housewives and mothers. And although I did serve five years after I graduated, I was, I was, um, I was in a different place. I, I, I'm almost ashamed to say the way that I felt about things, um, but I just, it was, so, I was so conservative and I just kept getting more and more conservative. And it was just, it wasn't like a particular church. It was more like books you'd read by certain authors, um, people passing that kind of stuff around where 
if you want to really be a good Christian here, read this, this will help you. If you want to be a good wife, read this good, um, good mother, read this and underground passing around certain titles that would tell you how to be a better wife and mother and just focus on that because that's what you're created for as a woman. And please do not like clip that and be like, I said this because now I completely disagree with that. Um, and yes, I think wives and mothers are important, but like I have a, there's a girl I know who's on the Mars mission. She was one of the ones I trained when I was in upper class and she's an astronaut and a Marine Corps pilot, et cetera. And if Mars mission, if it happens, she'll leave and never see her kids again, probably, you know, like, why is that okay for a father, but not a mother, you know, that, that shouldn't be that way like it's that's the part I'm gonna clip but go ahead keep going <laughs> but um so yeah I'm I'm now a, definitely a liberal feminist in every stretch of the imagination um my my key hang-up was I was super pro-life so I stop before because I really want to get into that you and you don't have to give the specifics about the church itself right but you said you were into a really conservative church Do, is the reason that uh, you had as many children as you had is because, you know, they're not supposed to use protection or whatever else it is. Everything is supposed to be, you know, natural. It was, is that the reason? That is partially the reason. It, it's nine tenths of it, which is that it did not come from the pulpit. Um, but every family in our church had seven, eight, nine, 10, 11 kids. Um, it was more of a lifestyle and a culture. It wasn't like how if you're Catholic, they say don't do it and they've got rules. It was, um, um, you were just more holy if you did it, you know what I mean? Like more, um, how can I be more like this ideal of, you know, pulling this apart and trying to figure out what God wants us to do to serve him, et cetera. And, you know, all the verses about children being a blessing from the Lord and um, blessed is a man, you know, man with a quiver full of arrows um blessed is the man i don't remember arrows like the, arrows the children represent more arrows. Yeah, yeah there you go um so that was and i saw these great big families and they were homeschooling and they were wonderful kids i'd never seen anything like it because i grew up pretty much um not having having faith we went to a church that was lutheran but i i wasn't super involved in it I didn't know anybody like these people that I now was a part of. And I, I wanted to emulate them. The, the, the wives that I met just took me right in and were so sweet and kind and helping me become a new mom and all these things. And so you just wanted to be like them. Nobody told you to, but. But you, 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 found, you found a community while in the, in the Navy. And, and that was gonna be one of my questions is like, what was the faith upbringing like for you as a kid? Like, was that a big part of your life? You know, Not at all. So you, just, you, my parents, um, recently when I became more like this now, um, my mom said, it's, it's weird. It's like, we got our daughter back. Um, I would almost say I was part of a cult and I could, I could name, you know, five or six girls I know who were younger than me, who, um, were raised by in this situation and have come out of it, who would say the same thing. Um, and, you know, I watch A Handmaid's Tale and I think like, oh my gosh, that was my life. You know, just, it was, it, it, and I'm going to reiterate, it did not come from the pulpit. The pastor was not preaching this stuff. The people weren't saying it to you. Um, it was a very expository preaching church where they would preach. And, and this is all the ones that we went to. They preach one verse at a time through the Bible and really just pick that apart, you know. And it, so it wasn't like they were up there telling you how to live your life. 
but this is just the culture that, that it was. And you're away from home for the first time and you're treated by a plebe like everybody. You're a freshman and you, you know, boot camp, et cetera, except it's your whole first year. Except there was this little safe space and a friend of a friend would invite you to come, just like you're always trying to invite your friends to Bible study or church or whatever. But it was the only place to be a person and be treated like a person, unless you were on a sports team and maybe you're a recruited athlete and then you've got your little pocket where you can be yourself with your teammates. Um, so it was really just the appeal of really nice people wanting to sit down and study God's word with you, which I, I'd never even read it, any parts of it. You know, there were retreats that we went on for weekends and hiking and camping and just all sorts of cool stuff. Everything fun that I did all four years was through that or through the women's glee club or the gospel choir. But, um, it was, they just lured you in with their donuts and pizza. I kid you not. So Go ahead. define, define, define plebe or, or plebeian for, for non-military. Like, okay. So if, if you're at a military college, which would be like the Air Force Academy, VMI, Citadel, like this, this sort of associated with military, Naval Academy, West Point, your freshman year, and the two months before you start your freshman year, you're, you're run through like boot camp type stuff. And then while you're in college, you're the same way. You're this plebe, you're a rat, you're a I don't know. They all have their little names for them. But um, I think plebe is for a couple of them. And that whole year, you're yes, sir. No, sir. Um, you're at attention all the time. You can't walk while you're in your dorm. You know, all these special rules and you just can get stopped and yelled at by anybody all the time. So that's your freshman year for the whole first year of college, basically. It's like a fraternity. It's an yeah. initiation. Mm -hmm. So um, you said that when you were in school, you wrote a paper about why uh, abortion should be legal or illegal? Legal. Back in high school, I found it later on. Um, so then you turned to a conservative who believes that abortion should be illegal. Correct. Okay. Why don't you- and that, that actually happened, okay, it, through my conversion to being a real believer at the Naval Academy my junior year, um, have you heard of Frank Peretti? He's an author that writes about like spiritual warfare, but as fiction with angels and demons up here doing this stuff and this stuff's going on down here. Or like uh, those books, um, Left Behind series, all that kind of stuff, yes. Christian fiction. So right when I became a believer, I was coming across this kind of stuff. And one of the books was um, talking about a girl who died having an abortion um, and how the news were covering it up and all this kind of stuff. And it just really touched me at the time that, that people were in this situation and I wanted to know how I could help. And somebody connected me with a crisis pregnancy center. They started going there to counsel and give pregnancy tests. And then, you know, that morphed into just being really involved with the crisis pregnancy center and where we lived, being like on, you know, walks for life, um, praying outside the clinics um, and, and just becoming more and more progressively pro-life to where nothing else mattered when I voted. Like, no matter what, I wouldn't vote for any Democrat ever because they were not pro-life enough for me. And, um, and the whole like Supreme Court thing, you don't want a Democrat because then they'll put a Democrat in the Supreme Court and then it'll get, you know, blah, 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 all this stuff, right? So I was just led, you know, like, it's, I could give you every pro-life argument against every pro-choice argument, and I would have said them all myself to everybody. And I wasn't like super outspoken about it as far as 
posting on Facebook and being like, you need to think this or you need to do this. I just would do it with my own actions over here, working in centers and whatnot. But um, that being said, were all the arguments Bible related? So we're yes. all, go ahead. Well, somewhat where we, we would say, um, okay, you've got this fetus inside. The only thing it now needs is a safe environment and nourishment. So that's in the womb, but it's the same as a baby outside the womb. All it needs is a safe environment and nourishment. So how are they any different? Um, we basically just focused entirely on the baby being a baby, a fully, um, fully invested with rights baby from conception. And that was like, we said we based it on science. In my mind, I thought this was science that, uh, you know, an egg and a sperm come together, they create a zygote, that DNA is unique from then on. And whatever happens after that, it's always the same. Um, what I didn't realize until later is honestly, it is just my faith that tells me that that is a baby. Yes, scientifically, I can tell you everything that happens, but I've now come to believe that my Christian faith tells me what I should think about that thing and that I shouldn't be going around telling everybody else what to think about it because it's not in my body, it's in their body, you know? Um, and I, I, you couldn't have convinced me to be pro-choice. You could have, you know, like ever until I was suddenly pregnant and didn't want to be. And I was like, you know. So, so stop right there. You said, you could not convince me to be pro-choice until I was pregnant and did not want to be, which I believe is really big. That's a strong statement. And I believe that a lot of that goes on today. If you, you know, there's no facts associated with this, but if you had to think about it, right? How many uh, anti-abortion people do you think would act or feel or react the same way? I think if they were actually in those shoes, which they could only be if they're a woman, number one. Um, so uh, men should not be deciding this, but go, go ahead. Um, I think if they really were in the position where they really did not want to have that baby and it just struck them all of a sudden, like, oh my gosh, um, I I don't want to do this, but I, um, people are going to tell me I have to. But the thing that it's not even about having it is that you don't want to be pregnant. You don't want the shame of being unmarried. You don't want, like, say you're six. There's so many situations that you would not want to have this baby in. Um but if, definitely if you are unmarried and you're a Christian, um, you don't want to be pregnant. You, if you could just go off and be pregnant and nobody would know about it and you could hide it, that would be better, um, you know, in their minds. But I would say, I'd say maybe 50-50. If they could be in those shoes, a lot of people might come to the realization of like, yeah, you're right. I shouldn't be telling people what to do with their bodies. But I don't know. I would hope they'd be that big. And I mean, I obviously... Obviously, I had the baby. I have eight now, and her name is Joy. Um, because after weeping, Joy comes in the morning. That's how she got that name. But um, it, it it doesn't change the fact that I am entirely like way more pro-choice than I could have ever imagined. If you honestly care about other people, you know you have this woman right in front of you to care about, and then you have this potential human that's inside, right? And to her, she matters. The woman matters to herself and she should matter to you. It's, it's just inhuman what we do to women who want abortions and how we treat them for being pregnant when 
the man is the one, I mean, like they both had a part in it and she's the only one who gets this treatment. Like he can walk on and life goes on, but anyway, so, I'm sorry. So, yeah, no, that's fine, that's fine. So you were saying, or I heard you say that um, you used to look down on single mothers. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, definitely. Um, I was self-righteous, um, judgmental. I would have told you I wasn't, I would, because you want to hide that. You know, humility is what people want to see. Um, just, it, it's kind of like the same thing with healthcare. Like, hey, if you want healthcare, go get a job that gives it to you. This is what I used to say because I was a Republican. Um, I'm sorry, I haven't used that word yet, but that's what I precisely mean when I say conservative is I was a right-wing Republican. Um, it's just the whole, um, you know, you shouldn't have gotten yourself into that situation if you didn't want to be, you, I mean, it was, it was terrible. Like, and, and the funny thing is we pick out these sexual sins as being like the worst thing you could possibly do as a believer when all of this sin is going on inside of us judging other people. And it's so much more disgusting if you think about the state of this person's soul who's going around judging everyone for their, for their sin, because that sin can be seen because now you see her tummy getting bigger and mine couldn't be because they're hidden inside my crappy little heart. You know what I mean? Um, so from, from the, the perspective of being married now, right. And, and so you're in this life because you were introduced to it through going through the Academy. Did you meet your husband at the Academy? I'm, I'm assuming. Yes. Yeah. He was a freshman when I was a junior and, um, we got engaged my senior year. And then I was two years on a, on a ship in the Navy until he graduated. Um, and in that time period is when I became ultra conservative while he was still at the Academy, you know, going to school, playing video games, whatever. I'm out there. Um, different Bible studies I was in ended up being, getting me into more and more conservative churches. And, um, and it just, once we got married, he just moved into that circle with me and very, very intellectual people where they want to talk about uh, the Reformation, you know, and everything that was written in 1650 and 1720 and whatever. And, and um, you just live in life in a bubble where reality hardly even exists. You just, you know, it, and I, they're not the only group of Christians who do it or religious people in general. Or people um, in general, like pe yeah. people, uh, people live in a bubble, particularly yeah. in this day and age. Let me ask, um, uh, ultra conservative, right? Um, how did they feel about gays? Um, at the time, and when we were there, yes, uh, that was not okay. Uh, I remember there was a daughter of someone in the church who came out as gay, and they had to basically, she was excommunicated, the parents um, didn't have any more contact with her, etc. And now, um, that was another turning, you know, a little piece in the pie for me to start turning away from that is I was good friends with a, a bass drummer from a bagpipe band in Atlanta um, who was transgender. And he told me about getting to go into a room of Christian mothers, a chat room, Christian mothers of transgender children and how heartbreaking it was for them because their entire families were kicked out of churches and for, for accepting their own children. 
and um, and just that really opened his eyes to to um, what the the moms or the parents are going through as believers when their child comes out as transgender, which is crazy because it's not about us as a parent. Um, you know, we're not the ones really going through anything, honestly. But I have a gay daughter, my oldest, and my third oldest is a um, transitioning to be a boy right now. But um, all of these things, you know, were being preached against definitely from the pulpit in every one of our churches. So we left when the oldest was 10. And I'm just so thankful that they weren't exposed to that for much longer. And interracial relationships? That particular church did not have any problems with it. And, and I knew biracial couples within, we were in um, the Presbyterian Church in America, PCA, and the Orthodox Presbyterian Church, OPC. And neither one of them preached against that. At what point did you guys leave the church? Did you leave the church while you were still married or? I started walking away from that church a um, couple months before I got pregnant where I went to an Episcopal church, more local. And even wrote to the pastor and said, hey, we're going to be moving our membership to this other church. Can you get in contact with this pastor? And it was one they would have approved of because there's certain Episcopal churches that meet their level of conservatism, you know. And then it's nothing like really that, happened. It's like Zagat's for churches. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so that being said, I go to an Episcopal church now that's the opposite of that, where we accept everyone and um, and just, it's just so amazing, the you know, like the difference in being somewhere where you're just there to worship a God together instead of um, judge everyone for doing it wrong, you know? Um but that being said, I, I had sent this letter to end my membership there. And then I found out I was pregnant. I didn't tell them. I moved. All these other things happened. And then after they found out what had happened, they wrote to me um, saying I needed to come and confess to the eldership. And then when I didn't answer them, they excommunicated me, which is the same thing that happened to my ex-husband when he would not go to the eldership about his affair. So we were both excommunicated. What was the light that went off? What was the event or what was the moment when you said to yourself, oh shit, I was fucking nuts. Um, what happened? Was there an event? It was the, a dream? It was the positive pregnancy test. I kid you not. I mean, it, a lot of things had been building. I'd read some of this, I'd heard some of this. Um, I had watched The Butler. Um, which is a great movie and it ends, you know, with Obama being elected and, and how important that was to, um, to the country. And before that I had been anti-Obama all eight years of his pregnancy, uh, presidency. Um, so this was summer 2016, all this was happening. Um, it was all coming together and then it culminated in my positive pregnancy test where it was like black and white, um, it, it just a completely different pa a paradigm shift, you know, just like, what the fuck was wrong with me all this time? Like, I just could understand, you know, like, here I was, college degree, I um, didn't need a job because I was supported fully by my ex-husband. I had a roof over my head. I didn't have an abusive partner. I'm not young. I, I have a family to put the baby in. All had everything going for me. And I did not want to have this baby. And I just think like, how, who was I to tell these people in situations that were more difficult than this, what they had to do, you know, like it just was so instantaneous. 
I know that sounds weird, but, and then, so then once I wasn't pro-life, it was like, what, what am I doing with these other topics? I, I had a boyfriend as well after that, um, who was diabetic from age three and, um, healthcare had been a big issue in his life because he had to have the whites of both his eyes, um, lasered out and replaced with fake stuff. I don't, I don't know. Cause he was going blind at 25. And he was living in Alaska and to get this done, there was no Obamacare. This was before that. He could only live in two states in America that would that would give him insurance. And it was gonna be Massachusetts or Hawaii. And it, I mean, just like, I never knew people who weren't like me before. I was in Navy officer housing, surrounded by other Navy officers. Um, you know, I was in the church bubble. And then all of a sudden I'm in the real world where I have real friends who have real problems. And like, I cannot express how important it is to not be in your, your stupid bubble. But like you said, a lot of people are right or left, but um, that, that bursts my bubble, my positive pregnancy test. Right. I, I mean, there's, there's a lot of guys I've met who, you know, were like, I didn't meet my first black person until I joined the military. Or I didn't hang out with my first black person until I was in the military or I went to college or, you know, I went to work at this large corporation. Or vice versa, that black person who didn't hang out with white people before that because he didn't oh, like, yeah. didn't know them, you know. Um, and I was going to say, too, about a bubble being on the left or the right. Um, I know so I have so many friends now who are just liberals. They've always been liberals. I'm probably to the left of a lot of them. But where they are, they've never met a conservative they liked they they have an opinion that all these people who are pro-life or voting for trump or whatever are idiots and heartless and all these other things where it's like i know who i used to be i know i loved people i had compassion i thought i was doing what was right i thought i was i thought i was fighting for the little man you know what i mean like all these things that i thought i was doing in earnest that and i was so off with I was still a human being who had a mind and a heart and like was trying to use it. You know what I mean? And I think even on the, the left, they demonize the right to say that they're, and don't get me wrong. There's definitely a lot of people on the right who are like, what are, what are you doing? You know, like are not using their heads. Um, but yeah, that bubble can be anywhere. Yeah, and you really believed in what you were doing and what you were saying. You really believed in it. And that it was the right thing. It yeah. was ultimately the right thing for, for, you know, your family and for the world. Right. So, so listen, um, Clark hates when I say this, but I have to say this, we've been at this for a little while. And <laughs> I, I'm not the one who does the editing. So I can't. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we need to wind down. Um, and uh, I'm going to ask a couple of things of you uh, before we get there. Okay. First, are you really uh, making a living bagpiping <laughs> so so i said it's part-time I, I do my taxes and make about 25 a year doing it and i have another uh partner i book for makes about 45 a year um so he's like our primary piper and i'm the secondary so and then i do about eighteen thousand to other pipers where i take commissions off of things and stuff so i mean it's it's definitely a business it could only be up here though um because there's just so, so many people up here who like bagpipes. And it's not like this anywhere else in the country. There's not all these pipe bands everywhere, which you probably don't know exist, but they're everywhere here. Um, the other thing, uh, I'd like you to name all of your kids quick as fast as you can. Go. Patience, Gabriel, 
Leon, Claire, Greer, Daniel, Grace, and Joy. Now you did see a wince like she had to remember. Ready? <laughs> like, listen, my, my mom had five of us and she would have pointed me, go, Lisa, me and boy. So, I didn't, and I didn't do my fingers as she was going to make sure she get eight. I did. She got all eight. She got all. She eight. got all eight. Okay. Um, and uh, I'm pretty sure all of the parents who work from home want to know, right? Uh, we haven't heard. Like, if Miles, my kid, was here right now, he would have made his way into this room <laughs> and done or said something. How the fuck you got eight kids in the house and ain't nobody made their way? over to where you are to say nothing and we don't hear nothing in the background. Like, mommy, uh, mommy, mommy, listen, mommy, watch this, mom. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, oh my goodness. Dad, yep. He says, Miles says to me, daddy, daddy, watch this, watch this. He jumps off the sofa and lands with his hand in the air and says, that's the Spider-Man land. Okay, <laughs> all right. How old is he? He's four. <laughs> or he also, daddy, did you know that blah, 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 blah? And I'll say, uh, no, I didn't know that. He says, I said, who told you that? He said, my brain. So how <laughs> has nobody come in there and told you something about their brain? Go. Um, it's because my ex-husband and his wife are out in the living room keeping everybody quiet for me. So um, she works from home and it is crazy here. I've been going to work every day uh, for training. And and like I said, he's looking for a job now. So he's got some severance, um, but he's he lays down the law. Um, and he keeps everybody quiet all day long while she works right there in the living room. Um, and then but the didn't you say they have three also? No, that was, no, no, that no, was her ex-boyfriend I was living with. Yeah. How Total, many did they have? They have none together. He He's not able to have babies anymore. Um, okay. So there's neither have I. So I'm, I'm safe bet, guys. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Clark, I know that's your next question, right? Let's get to that. No, because that's going to be one of my questions also. Um, so there's eight, nine, 10, 11 people living in a two bedroom apartment. Yeah, don't tell anybody. I don't think we're supposed to be doing it, but. Yeah. I don't know nothing about nothing. God bless you, God bless you. Yeah. You know, when they say quarantine, y'all really quarantine. quarantine right. Okay. And like, it's fine because Thanksgiving dinner, birthdays, like we are a party. We're all, we already have a party. We don't, we're not worried about not being able to go anywhere or do anything because there's always something going on here. So, <laughs> all right. So, um, tell the people how they can find you if they want to hire you to play the bagpipes. I would love anything, that. Huh? Yeah, or anything else that you'd like to promote, social awesome. media, whatever else it is. Go. Okay, so you can find me at um, www.northeastbagpipes, northeastbagpipes.com, and then. More importantly, um, my sober house for women, if you're looking for a place to live, um, buildinghope.net is their website. But I also have, um, I started a nonprofit to help support it for, you know, like, so we can give scholarships to women who don't have jobs yet and whatnot. Um, and that's buildinghopewomensrecovery.org. So. Yeah. so before we before we jump, David, and I know we got to jump, Tell us a little bit about this sober living house. So tell us a little bit about okay. the, the house and, so, and the setup and, and what you're hoping to accomplish. There's, there's a group called Oxford House International that run, um, they put out charters. So you can start a house, you can be like a group of people who want to be in a sober house and now you're looking for a house to live in, or you can start one yourself with your house. And basically 
I am just a landlord now that I got it started and rolling and it took about nine months to get it with enough people in it who support it, but they pay their own rent to, they have a meeting once a week where they're self-supported, they pay their own rent and they run their own house. They don't have a house mother. It's democratically run with a president, a secretary, you know, all these types of things. And they pay all their own bills. They give me one rent check a month. So now I'm, I'm basically just a landlord, but at the same time, I'm still working on new bedrooms and building and the third floor and, you know, I need new garage doors or, you know, I'll help them with, uh, you know, getting people to come and do the yard cleanup or stuff like that. So I'm still really involved. It's only an hour from where I am now. Um, but ultimately it's their house and they run it. And it's called an Oxford house, the type of house that it is that does this. They give them a charter and a, a binder to help them run it all and, and make sure it's run properly um, so they don't have to remake the wheel. You know what I mean? And these are generally women who are what? Uh, coming out of rehab or yep, yep. Or we have a rehab right down the street so we have a pretty close connection with them and the the reason I started it is my pastor of my Episcopal church in Portland Connecticut Trinity um, he had been in corporate America and had a retirement and he's been in um, recovery 15 years himself and then became an Episcopal priest and decided to use his retirement to buy a home for men started a house just like this for men across the street from where mine is so I said, hey, pastor, what about a sister house? And he was like, we've been praying for that. Like, let's do it. So he kind of helped get me started um, and pointed me in the right direction and stuff. Amazing work you're doing. Amazing. Can I just tell you the best part of it is we have a group chat um, with all the ladies in the house and they're always sending pictures and stuff. Um, three of them have had their children in the home, you know, reuniting with them, um, doing sleepovers together with each other's kids birthday parties it's just it's just so awesome to see it's so awesome I can't so, tell so you. They, they've essentially built the family within that house yes right yes and they have my cats too they take care <laughs> they've stolen them they feed them wet food now never getting them back oh that's awesome so awesome okay um is it Corianne? yes yes Corianne. um i love you <laughs> I honor you and I appreciate you. Uh, do you want to tell uh, any of the uh, men who are listening? Okay, so that is one thing I forgot to ask. <laughs> so you meet a guy, where are you? Where, where, where are you on? You're on, you're on Mashed Hinge, Tinder, where are <laughs> I am on Hinge and Bumble. <laughs> you're on Hinge and Bumble. What's the name you're under? My name, I'm, I'm Corianne, I think. Corianne, okay. Yeah, and, uh, when you tell them that you have eight children, what do you hear back? Oh my gosh, the responses. And some of them are nice and honest where they're just like, I'm sorry, you seem really nice, but I'm gonna have to go now. Um, just, just a wow, um, people are just blown away. I obviously don't leave with that, it's not in my profile. It just says, I have a lot of kids. And then people will say, what's a lot of kids? Or they'll be like, oh really? I have a lot of kids too, I have three. And I'll be like, that's not a lot of kids. <laughs> I mean, and, and from my past experiences, I can tell you that the only thing that's going to get me in a serious relationship again is knowing that that person would be someone I'd want raising my kids. Because I kind of was of the opinion before where it's like, okay, they already have a dad. I can, that doesn't need to necessarily match up. But now after having tried to live with somebody who was raising kids differently, I realize how really, really important that is. So I'm either going to be like, single lady who's 65 and has long white hair and is still going crazy 
or I want to find a real partner that's really going to partner with me to raise the kids. Um, kind of a tall order. Uh, I will say my vote has been for the, the, the crazy 65 year old, but uh, <laughs> that's just me. I'm biased. <laughs> so um, I love you. I appreciate you. I honor you. Um, and uh, you know, you're doing good work and uh, we thank you for coming and sharing with us. Well, thank you for having me. It was really, really fun. Seriously, this, this has been amazing. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for sharing and, and just being candid. Like, oh, um, and you didn't give that. Do you have Facebook or Instagram that you'd like to uh, tell? Um, I just have my normal name on Facebook. Um, I'm Coriander on Instagram, like the spice because my name is Corianne, but nice. it's C-O-R-I-A-N-D-E-R, -E Coriander. Um, but then I'm just Corianne Armstrong on Facebook. Okay. I'm pretty, I have a pretty public profile and it's it proof that I really do have eight children. <laughs> right. uh, Clark. So you're going to have dudes Instagram and Facebook stalking you now. Exactly. <laughs> Clark, call to action, please. Yeah. Ladies, gentlemen, and consenting adults, thank you again for joining us for another episode of Single Dad, Why You Mad? You know, we appreciate you. We love you. The following is growing. Uh, check out our, uh, our Instagram page and you'll see my clumping that I received from the Netherlands. You know, follow us on our social media, Instagram. We are on uh, YouTube. We are on anywhere that you can find a podcast. Yeah, David, anything you want to add? Single dad, why you mad? Single dad, why you mad? Single dad, why you mad? Single dad, why are you mad? Single dad, why 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 you mad? Always spend our days like bright and shining in dark. If we're ever puzzled by the changing There's a plate of homemade wishes on the kitchen windowsill, and it is enough to fill our lives with love.